Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I am the Bill Arnold part of that sentence, and we have a great hour plan. Guy Talk is going to happen today. We've got uh, Brad Johnson, Pastor Tom Brock, George Fraser, co-host of Real Recovery, and Dr. Peter Kapsner, all on the team, the power panel. That is what is happening today in the first hour. If you have a question or uh, an, an issue or something that you would like us to discuss, kick around, chew, tear apart, Spit it out, whatever it is, let us know. 877-933-2484. That would be a text. You can ask us any questions you'd like. 877-933-2484. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take 60 seconds and get started. We'll be right back. With an idea to celebrate Clergy Appreciation Month, I'm John Fuller from Focus on the Family. So here's the idea. Find 30 people to volunteer, each person taking one day of the month. They're responsible to brighten the day of your pastors with a gift basket or balloons or even some homemade treats. Make sure they also include a handwritten note expressing gratitude for all the time and dedication of your church leadership. It'll be a memorable expression and encouragement to your pastors. A great way to stay informed on what's happening at Faith Radio is through the Faith Radio newsletter. Just go to MyFaithRadio.com and click on the newsletter link under the subscriptions tab. Submit your information there and you'll be emailed a new newsletter the first Monday of each month with information on the latest interviews, articles, and giveaways. Again, visit MyFaithRadio.com and look under subscriptions to sign up for the Faith Radio newsletter. panel is in place and the room is full we're ready to go again my power panel today is brad johnson pastor tom brock george fraser co-host of real recovery and dr peter capster gentlemen welcome thank you yeah yeah tom it's uh, nice to have you back in the in the loop you were in the uk for a while tell us how that went i went to england i had two two and a half three weeks of a wonderful fun sightseeing like crazy but the driving was the most nerve-wracking driving I've ever done in my life. Not just because they drive on the opposite side of the road, but super narrow roads. Mm-hmm. They have these things, these things called hedge roads, huge hedges on the side, either side of the road. It's one lane. And then if you if you come across someone, you got to back all the way up and try to find... I mean, at, at the end of every day, I was a nervous wreck. So I... <laughs> I had fun, but other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, it was a wonderful play. Nice. I love it. Well, welcome back. Nice to have you here. Uh, Peter, thank you for uh, joining us today, and Brad and George. Uh, I want to start off by uh, just asking you, when you think about uh, every opportunity you have to share your faith, uh, when you're at a, a party, maybe you're talking to friends, maybe you're engaging with neighbors, do you find yourself to be more of a gardener or more of a harvester? when it comes to how you approach sharing your faith? 
That'd be more of a jokester. I think. <laughs> that wasn't one of the options, George. Okay. I mean, do you try to do you try to move the needle a little bit, or do you say, "Hey, would you like to pray to receive Christ right now?" Wow. No, I've never done. Have you like led with that? Uh, no, but y- y- my family does. I have, you know, I have a bunch of family that that uh, are definitely uh, harvesters. I'm probably more of a gardener myself. Mm-hmm. I probably just plant the seed. And, and one, one of the things that I try to do uh, and sometimes miserably fail is to lead by example. And, you know, I, uh, you know, sometimes we think that, uh, you know, I, at least I like to think that people can see Jesus in, in who I am and what I do. And, uh, and, and so that, that's kind of my hope. And I hope to live that way and lead by example if I can. Yeah, Tom. I, you know, when I was in England, mm-hmm. I stayed in this cheap Airbnb. I say to this guy that owns the place, you know, I'm looking for a church tomorrow morning. Is there a church nearby? Well, I'm a, I'm a heathen. I wouldn't know. And then another guy that was staying upstairs comes down, and we're all three in the kitchen. And the guy was the upstairs guy was an atheist. The guy that owned the place was more, he just didn't know what he believes. And man, did we get into it. And the especially the atheist, atheist and I were going at it. And later the atheist left and the, the heathen guy, the owner, says, you know, I went through the Alpha course, a course in Christianity mm-hmm. years ago, and he said, I've been sitting on the fence ever since. And then later he, not, he comes up to me, he says, you know, I was watching you two go at it, and I've seen this before where the atheist gets so angry and the Christian is so humble. And he mm-hmm. said, I, sitting on the fence, I thought to myself, who do I want to be like? And he said... I want to be like you, Tom. I don't want to be like that guy. Wow. All right, so I gave him the Four Spiritual Law Salvation Booklet. Mm-hmm. I said, well, why don't you read this and we'll talk later. Next day, he knocks on my door and he says, I've got to do this. <laughs> and, and I said to him, this is unusual that somebody is this open. And I said to him, you know, we're all going to die. You want to make sure you spend eternity in the right place. So he takes me into his area there because he didn't want the, the atheist to hear any of this. We got on our knees, and he prayed and accepted Christ. Wow. And then I put it to him. Now, this doesn't happen to me every day. This was unusual. Yeah. But I really put it to him to get baptized, to get into a good church. And uh, I, I tell you, everybody, buy a bunch of salvation booklets. Keep them in your car, in your wallet, in your purse, and just see what God does with them. Mm-hmm. I, this is recent. I mean, I've used uh, salvation booklets for years, but... I haven't had them at my ready disposal like I have the last couple of years, and they go. And I'm not, I'm more, I guess I'm more of a a harvester. Harvester or gardener. Let's get to it because I'm not going to see this guy for eternity, forever. So let's tell him heaven and hell and you need Christ to be saved. I'm more pushy, I guess. But I'm not pushy because I get nervous sharing my faith. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm jumping on anybody. I do it with fear and trembling. But so that was a, a neat uh, and in the morning, I pray, Lord, use me to share you with somebody. And often it doesn't happen, but it did that day. So there you go. Well, you don't of, you don't often go from uh, zero knowledge of God to uh, conversion. No, in one conversation, it takes cultivating. Mm-hmm. It takes and he had relational... been cultivated by the Alpha Course. Right, right. But Nicky if that Gumble, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, from England. If that fruit is ripe, uh, then we would be wise to yeah. be including in our discussion, would you like to pray to receive Christ? You know, you always hear people talking about their faith stories. And I was on a, you know, I was on a plane coming back from Los, Los Angeles, and this guy sitting next to me had his Bible out, 
And by the end of the conversation, he said, well, do you want to pray to receive Christ? And I said, sure. <laughs> yeah. And you hear stories like that. And yeah. You go, uh, okay, are we making sure that that's staying in the front of our minds, that's that right. we're willing to step up and make that? And and one other thing on this, I, years ago, the church that I served, we, we got the Jesus film videos mm-hmm. or DVDs, and we went door to door trying to share the gospel and handing those out. It was such tough hoeing. And now and then somebody would be open. But then as a pastor, sometimes you get somebody, oh, can you help me with God? And, he, and, and, and what I, my belief is when the fish jumps into the boat, <laughs> grab it. Uh-huh. You know, we're fishing for men, right. and sometimes it gets really uh, tough hoeing. But when the fish jumps into the boat, you grab it, yeah. and you put that as, as the priority for our, you know. And so just look for people that are, are open. Yeah, I think a lot of it, Billy, seriously, is guys that we work with, there's a relationship set up. And I can't think, Tom, very rarely in my life uh, has it ever come up where it was a one and a, a close. And mm-hmm. But I admire you for doing that. I, I'm real comfortable working with recovering guys, and eventually we get to that. And uh, it's it's like developing a relationship. But I think I think you got to go with your style that God gave you mm-hmm. to be comfortable because um, I can't be somebody I'm not. Unfortunately, I'm stuck with what I am. Mm-hmm. I'll beat you to that line. Yeah, really. I know. But I, I think that's how it works is a, kind of a relationship. And then you, you do close when I, the Spirit gives you the lead. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But way to go, Tom. Well, both are yeah. right. And, you know, when I when I fly in the airplane— <laughs> I put a little salvation booklet in the magazines there for people to stumble upon. There's all kinds of ways to do this, and uh, mm. more than one way to get the fish. I think in the you boat. can write the trip off. It was a missionary trip. <laughs> and, uh, I think I'll do that. Well, you know, uh, good for you. Though. <laughs> well, you know, the cool thing is, all joking aside, there's another person that's going to be in heaven with mm-hmm. us. But that's very cool. Amen. Good job. Mm. Well, and the thing too uh, that follow up is huge. You know, sometimes people pray the prayer and then next. Yep. We really got to make sure they're following up. So I did write, I sent him an email later. I just said, I'm, I thought of you today and prayed for you, et cetera. And so he's a real private guy. So it's kind of, you want to try to follow up a little bit. So When Peter was on the one of the last shows, he talked about what the Greek word meant about making a decision for Christ. And it's not just saying yes. Peter, can you... Add to that. You're not going to drag me back into this one here, are you, George? I think this is the quietest I've, I've ever been on, on Guy Talk, just sort of processing what you guys are saying. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, Bill, I think your original question was what, a gardener or a harvester? And, mm-hmm. and um, I, maybe just from a slightly different angle, I think some of my, whatever evangelism has looked like in my life has maybe shifted over the past uh, 15, 20 years, just ever so slightly. That, and, and it hits on something that Tom was just saying just now. Which is um, when when I hear Jesus's invitation in the Gospels, his invitation is always to follow me. Which which my best understanding of that is that you then are um, making the decision to say that Jesus really does have the best take on life, that he has the best take on hope and love and joy and kingdom, and is really the only kingdom that never ends. And so my my evangelism is more of a will you follow Jesus for a lifetime mm-hmm. as opposed to making a decision to get, you know, sort of on either the right or wrong side of heaven. I, I sort of figure heaven's going to take care of itself um, for those that follow Jesus for a lifetime where they get to lay it down on the other side and say, you know, hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. So 
I guess I would say evangelism for me has shifted to inviting people to make a decision to say, will you give your life to Jesus and follow him for a lifetime, Mm -hmm. which then lends itself to the natural follow-up and discipleship process as opposed to, well, I got to make sure I get him into heaven. And then we'll kind of see if we're going to kind of, you know, keep following from there. So I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm just trying to think through and have been the last 10, 15 years. If I stood there in those Sinai deserts and, and Jesus came to me, what would I have heard him say? And boy, when he said, follow me, those disciples left everything and they hung with Jesus for a lifetime. And and that's what I want to try to invite people to if and when, you know, have an opportunity to give voice to that. Not much sure if that makes sense, just sort of a slightly different spin on it. I like the spin a lot. And I think you've voiced that before, Peter, and I think it's really wise. So I appreciate that. Now, we're going to take a little break. You're listening to Guy Talk and the power panel today is uh, outstanding. Dr. Peter Kapsner, Brad Johnson, Pastor Tom Brock, and George P. Fraser. We'll take 60 seconds or 90, give or take 30, and be right back. George knows. Hold on, I don't have the band. You don't? No. Ugh. Keep Blast. playing it. We'll play it all. Play the whole song. I want to get this. You know this one, don't you, Brad? Yeah, boy, it's on the tip of my tongue. I don't have it. I'm, I'm all right, I'll cut it because I can't give I can't give George the pleasure of hearing the vocals. That might give it away. <laughs> this was my second album. I bought oh, okay. my, my first two albums were James Taylor. I'm your captain. Yeah, Grand Funk Railroad. Grand Funk. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm your captain. I didn't yeah. sing that on the yeah. air. I hope. No, you didn't. Okay. I got those I got albums when I was 14. Voice. I still like the really? music. Really? You still have it? I, I, I don't have the vinyls anymore, but should I still have kept them. I should have kept them. Yeah. A lot of things I should have done differently, George. You know, that Archie's album is probably worth a lot of money. It now. probably would be. Archie's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <So>. albums. <laughs> right, let's talk about tracks a little bit. Uh, Tom, you gave uh, okay. listener Terry says it's a great advice to always have tracks to give out. What about the mini comic-like chick tracks? Growing up, I loved those back when you could find them in the local Bible bookstores. Oh, I remember those. Well, here's the deal. Chick tracks. I, I've used them. And some of them are fine, and they're they are like a little cartoon book, which mm-hmm. is good, which is why I'd give them out to uh, grade school or teenagers, you know, uh, and even adults like little cartoon books. It makes it easy. Some of them are so horribly anti-Catholic, and some of them are uh, so those I wouldn't use, but some of them were just good, and so I think you just gotta pick and choose on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't see chick tracks hardly ever anymore. Okay. Yeah. And then maybe talk about praying to receive Jesus. Yeah. You know, I, when, when I said at the first uh, segment, segment. Mm-hmm. that the guy in England prayed and received Christ, I mean, we got on our knees. I had him pray after me accepting Christ into his heart. And I do that, and I don't think anything is wrong with it, but it's not in the Bible. <laughs> where Where is one instance in the Bible where Peter says, okay, uh, I want you to be a convert now. Pray after me. Jesus, I open the door of my heart, and I ask you to come in. It's nowhere. 
there, there's Revelation 3 mm. that if you open the door, I will come in. But that's said to believers. Yeah, John one twelve, as many as received him. Yeah, so that's as close as you get. Mm-hmm. So, but um, it's believe. Yeah. The norm is the apostles are preaching, and it says, and as many as believed were saved, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then they all yeah. got, got baptized. But here, pray. I think a lot of people think, I used to get this when I had a radio show, that the one guy who, if you didn't know the day you were saved, you're not saved. And you have, other people think you have to pray the prayer or and ask him into your heart or you're not saved. No, the truth is believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Mm-hmm. That's the norm. So, so believe, what does yeah. believe mean? Trust. Trust. Yeah, I think, I think that, yeah, it sort of hits on, I think that's the important piece. And Tom, I think to me, it's really intriguing how you outline that because that idea of it isn't in the text to say, you know, Jesus never said, hey, by the way, to his disciples, why don't you hang out for about two, three years, wait till I get done with the cross event, and then pray to receive me so that you get to heaven. You know, just it was sort of absent from uh, what his language was and what the invitation, as opposed to if you're going to believe in something, you the idea is, is that in an ongoing basis, you yield your life, you surrender and you bend your knee mm-hmm. and say, I'll keep following. So, I mean, I, I have prayed the sinner's prayer many times in my life, um, but I think some of that was out of maybe some backsliding confusion that I still had, you know, sin in my life that I still mm-hmm. couldn't figure out why I wasn't perfect, you know, all these sorts yep. of things, as opposed to, hey, you know, we're, we live in perishable bodies that need to be raised imperishable. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and sin is still a wrestling match in my life. But I will again, follow Jesus today, that that's sort of a decision you can make every day to say, I believe I will bend my knee uh, and keep walking it out in this way. And I think that's what the disciples had to do often in the midst yep. of fear and confusion and doubt and failure and all of that. It kind of comprises a lifetime then at that a- point. Amen. And, you know, before this guy prayed with me in England, this is one thing I've learned to do, not to quickly try to get somebody to pray the prayer. I stop and I say, now, just so you understand this, <laughs> when you accept Christ and truly mean it, it might cost you your life. And I said, there right. are people in Afghanistan that are dying because they are trusting in Christ. So I just said to him, are, are you, is that something you're open to? Because if you're not, you're not quite there yet. But he said he was, so we mm. prayed. But, you know, talking to tracks, Halloween's coming up. And I used to buy 1,500 tracks for my church, and we'd hand them out. And when you drop the candy in the bag, put a little salvation tract in there. And you can get that at any Christian bookstore. they got lots of... Halloween tracks, little cartoons for kids. That's a good way to, to spread the gospel. Were you also given a good candy? Um, you know, nobody comes <laughs> to my door. Mm-hmm. I'm in a townhouse complex, and nobody comes to my door. Mm. <laughs> might oh, be you. Fruit, might, fruit snacks are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that cartoon. The guy, the guy, There's a cartoon of two guys at the bus stop, and one guy's got a T-shirt that says, Ask me about Jesus. And he says to the guy next to him, it always gives me a seat all to myself <laughs> <laughs> on the bus. So, All right. Um, listener has popped in with this question. What about Romans 10.19? If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Any theologian want to jump in on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to do it. You've got to confess. Works for believe. me. It works for me, too. Yeah, You can't yeah. be quiet about it. I, and this, the guy yeah. in England was just, you could tell he was such a shy guy, but I, I, I said to him, and this is what I say, too, if somebody prays and receives Christ, I learned this from an old pastor, you say to that person, within the next 24 hours, I want you to tell one person that you've done this. 
And I said that to him. I said, it couldn't be your grandma or whatever, but try to tell one person about this. Well, I think I kind of, this kind of raises almost another question for me is, uh, you know, I had a friend some years ago used to say, he says, ah, I, I hate the word born again. And, and so we started talking about John chapter three, you know, where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, except the man be born of water and of the spirit. He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And verily I say unto you, you must be born again. And, uh, and I said, well, that's, that's where that comes from. It's from that John chapter three, that discussion that Jesus was having with Nicodemus. How does that dovetail with what Paul is talking about being saved in Romans? I mean, Mm-hmm. You know, and and I guess I'm posing this out here to the universe, and maybe to Peter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> well, I don't mean to put you on the spot, though. <laughs> no, no, no. I, it, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I guess if I think about um, the word, what the word salvation means, and to be saved, it's sort of the idea to be rescued from, and to then be able to experience restoration and healing, and. And I think what's interesting is if we reduce salvation or being saved down to just a future event that happens after I die, though it includes that, I think we miss what the biblical witness of salvation is, where it happens all throughout the text in a variety of ways, where there is a rescuing from something, and there there is a healing and a restoration from something. And so I think in a nutshell, when it says Jesus, uh, they'll, they'll call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins— they meant for that to begin happening in a current time and space, that you are there, there's a new power at work in your life. And, and all of that put together would mean that uh, if I say yes to Jesus, if I believe in my heart um, and, and just simply trust in that way, what happens is I get rescued from the power of sin as having the only say in my life. A new power begins to be at work in my life through the power of the Spirit in this perishable body on this side in, in sort of a broken and lost world a new power begins to sort of course through me uh, almost immediately that continues to play itself out of my life so that at the other side, the fullness of that existing power then is made manifest in its completeness. So I think we miss the point a little bit if salvation is only something that happens after we die, where my understanding of the biblical witness is that it's a power at work in us, uh, even as we speak from the moment that we give our lives to Jesus, meaning that sin isn't the only thing that uh, has say over our life. There's a victory that begins to happen already at that point. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, guys like Peter wrecked the grade curve in school. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'd be a lot, we'd have better grades, George, yep. if it wasn't for Peter's. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Kastner. Uh, that's appreciate. Yeah, no, no, we no, appreciate no. you. <laughs> well, these, but these things come from wrestling matches in my own life. You know, I've shared it before, Bill, where I just said, you know, what, what if I prayed that prayer when I was six and then I wanted to be a pirate for the rest of my life? You know, does that, <laughs> does that prayer then stand at that right. point? And what happens in their site? So it's all these stupid questions I end up yeah. asking myself. And then you sort of end up having to research it from there. So, yeah. so what kind of pirate are we talking about here? Yeah. Yeah. Not a great one. But, you know, one that would pillage your, fun, Peter, sure. your point is great. If, if it hasn't happened started to happen in your life it's not going to happen in the next life it's got to be real exactly all right we're gonna take a break from guide talk when we come back lots more let us know what your questions are or if you have a um, a comment you'd like to make or something you'd like us to clarify 877-933-2484 we'll be right back
Welcome back to the show. Guy Talk's underway. You know, sometimes what happens during the breaks, <laughs> I wish you could be part of because it was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to have a sing-off between Tom and Rebecca. Rebecca's shaking her head no. <laughs> Anything but... she can sing, I can sing better. Come on. Should I do it? Yeah, of course you should. <laughs> well, it's guy talk. But still, you've been invited in. I can sing anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. All right, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, you realized you were going to lose her, weren't you? I was going to lose her. She proved her point, I think. <laughs> yeah, yesterday on the program, I had my friend Vince Miller on. He's written a book uh, called Seven Challenges Men Encounter. And one of the challenges that men have to face is rejecting passivity. How are we doing, guys, in that department? Uh, George, you started uh, laughing right away. Yeah, I'll sit this one out. I'm tired. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. man. laughs> All right, who wants to jump into this one? Oh, man. Passivity. Oh, man. This is, Brad, that sounds like you're stepping I'm, up. I'm, I'm really guilty of this okay. one. This, right. this, one is, uh, this one hurts okay. when, when you talk about this. I think part of it is my, uh, my theory is it's my wiring as a Norwegian. Uh, you know, in fact, I was just having a conversation in a meeting yesterday with um, uh, with a colleague, and uh, I said, you know, let's not be too ostentatious, or or uh, you know, we're just kind of lay down in the weeds so that we don't get anybody sees us, you know, because we don't want to draw too much attention to ourselves, and uh, you know, that kind of passivity is is I think kind of part and parcel for how how y- y- you know how some of us get through life and and I think for me uh sometimes it has worked to my advantage in the sense that if you're you're in a situation you know as a young person let's say you're a middle schooler or a junior high kid and and you know you don't want to be noticed too much because then you're like you know you get picked on or you get bullied or whatever those those kinds of things and so I think all of that stuff feeds into the the uh, Scandinavian heritage and you you don't want to be you know, so you, you end up being kind of passive in that in that regard, and 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 I know for me, there's times where the the spirit has been nudging me to maybe talk to a person, maybe to share, maybe to uh, offer assistance of some kind, and I'm not listening, and I'm blow it off, and and you know, it's it's one of those moments where I'm like, oh, I wish I could take that moment back, and I could maybe say something or do something or be there for that person. And be maybe a little more aggressive in my response to that person in a, in a good way. When I think of passivity, I think of me watching TV or looking at the internet. That can just make you such a passive human. And I have to pray about this regularly. Lord, help me not spend too much time watching TV or looking at my iPhone. Because that can just eat up 90% of your waking hours. So it's it's hard. It's good to have a. It's good to have a job, or it's good to have if you're more retired age. It's good to have some ministry that you're part of that you have to go to every week because mm-hmm. that you have to get out of the chair. Then you know. Mm-hmm. So, and George uh, is the only guy I know that takes a six month sabbatical twice a year. Oh, but I'm bumping. I think I'll pass on this one, Peter. Yeah. Peter, what do you got? I want on that it? job. He's got, yeah, Peter's, uh, Peter's had to step away. Oh, all right. Uh, a listener jumped in and said someone mentioned that they could not be who they weren't when sharing the gospel. My question is, should we really think that way? I get stuck on this when it comes to spiritual gifts. Can't the Holy Spirit keep shaping us and empower us to be whatever God needs us to be in the moment? Great point. I think God can do whatever God wants to do, you know, and 
if that means him changing us, then then so be it. I know God's changed me in many ways, and there's other ways that I need to be changed. And so, you know, I think we constantly need to be open to that, for sure. What? Was that something I said? I don't know, probably. Yes, okay. it was, actually. <laughs> okay, so what I meant by that was I think we all have our own style. Oh, yeah. And I think we have different gifts mm-hmm. uh, biblically. It's a great question. I'm not to, looking for an out, but I don't think I want to use somebody else's formula to close a sale here. It's about a developing a relationship with somebody so you can help them uh, develop a relationship with a living God that only comes through Christ. And uh, But, I, you know, what you're talking about is the inconvenience of it. I always know it's coming from the Spirit because it's at the worst time yeah. for me personally. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, and that confirms it. But yeah. but I think the style, Bill, um, God gave you gifts to be who you are. Yeah. And if you're walking with him, you kind of know. And God brings people into your life. You're always talking to me about godly appointments. And you've really helped me on that, that there aren't coincidences. Like you run into a guy at the health club and you're in the hot tub and he, you know, you ask him how he's doing and he tells you. You know, and, and you go, okay, you know, you listen to the story and have you prayed about it? Well, you know, and then that can be a real opening, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've always said there's nothing inconsequential in God's economy. You know, you might meet someone and that meeting is seven seconds. Trust me, that's significant because you never know how God's going to use it. Yeah. So I think it's important to go about your day praying that every moment God places in your path is something you have awareness of, mm-hmm. which is harder to do if you're walking around looking down at your phone. Mm-hmm. That's true. I'm not. I'm not slamming looking down at my phone because I do that myself. But mm-hmm. you know, I'm just trying to say it's something I have to be aware of. Yeah, yeah for sure. Good point. Yeah. For sure. And I think you know, back to George's point is, you know, uh, Paul talks about the, the the body of Christ, and we are different parts of the body, and and the hand shouldn't expect the foot to do the job of the hand. And uh, so uh, I think sometimes it's easy for us to to try to pigeonhole people into certain things. And God uses different parts of the body. And the, the caller or the whoever wrote that, I think it's true that God can give you different spiritual gifts in different times of your life. That's true. But I think the norm is you're gifted to do certain things and God's wired you in certain ways. And that's pretty much going to be the truth till you die. That's my opinion from what I've gathered. I mean, I haven't... I'm, my gift is preaching and teaching. I haven't gotten all of a sudden the gift of hospitality, friends. I mean, it just hasn't, for me anyway, I've, I've never had a change of gifts from the Lord. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, but God can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. We yeah. were talking on the break about the church I went to. Uh, and the guy that worked with me, Don Asman, what he did, his technique was he loved me. Mm-hmm. And he'd come see me at the house and mm-hmm. I was messing up big time and That's what won me over, Mm -hmm. is that he loved me and said, you know, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And I said, that's easy. I'd go to hell. And he goes, do you want to change that? It's like, yeah, put me in. But the (laughs) the guy loved me. He'd show up. I didn't like myself. He loved me. And I think that's an easy one to forget. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not about technique. It's about the relationship Mm -hmm. and, and being kind and loving and because um, when people are really vulnerable, that's when they can really hear God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you have men in your life that can show up at your doorstep and talk to you about something, confront you about something, and you'll listen? 
So they're going to come all the way over to my house just to tell me well, what I'm doing No wrong. one's coming to your house, just <laughs> so you know. I don't even know where you live, and you're one of my best friends. Yeah, and that's we're going to keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to keep it that way. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, what I'm trying to do is paint a picture of, is, do you have a personal board of directors that someone can come in and fire you? I mean, I, I, I sometimes see these, you know, like these, the guy, the men's warehouse, remember that guy? Yes. You're going to like the way you look, I guarantee it. Yeah. This yeah. board fired him. He started that business. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens often. You know, uh, didn't Steve, uh, Steve Jobs got fired from yeah, Apple? From Apple. Okay. He got removed. Yeah. So it's like you start Apple and the, and the board fires you. So the question is, do we have a personal board of directors, someone that can come along and say, what you're doing is wrong and you need to stop it. I'm firing you from you. <laughs> I've got a regular accountability partner. Yeah, that that's, that's kind of where I'm going because, okay. you know, get to a point where men, they're, they're not going to listen to a lot of people. Right. They're going to get uh, rebellious. They're going to yep. have this autonomy. And yep. if you don't have people that can step in and fire you or say, look, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to re- recognize yep. that yeah. what I'm doing is wrong and I need to pay attention to you. Yep. Yep. And if you don't have a response team, uh, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I think every, every human, male or female, needs an accountability partner. Somebody who's in your life that you check in with regularly, that you pray with, that you ask questions of and get advice from, and then you try to make sure you're open to hearing their advice. And so I think every, you know, that's the old iron sharp man, as one man, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another verse. And also from James, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. And I think the implication is if you won't pray with anyone about your problem, if you won't confess your sins to anybody, you're not going to be healed. Don't men in general kind of play the Lone Ranger quite often in their lives, even when they shouldn't be? Yeah, Yeah. I think so. I think we all do that from time to time. I've done it. Uh, John Eldridge, uh, in his book, uh, Wild at Heart, talks about a band of brothers Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, and, and in a sense, it's kind of like accountability, but it... You know, I think he wants to make sure that these people are invested in you. You know, and I think that that's, for me, that's an important caveat. If 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 I'm going to listen to people, I, I need them to know who I am and to understand a little bit about me. Because if some guy is just telling me something I and I don't know him, I can't place it. It's hard for me to just take that. Yeah, that's why this, this board of, this personal yep. board of directors Ongoing. would be hand-picked people that would, you'd say to them, you know, you've known me and loved me. Um, my whole life. Mm-hmm. So y- you you know how I think. You you know that um, you know how I operate. And if you see something that's completely stepping out of God's will, I would want you to come in and yeah. say yeah. you are you are in the wrong and need to stop it. And I would yield to that. That's a that's a gutsy move. But mm-hmm. I think we need that. I agree. I think one of the benefits to being an ex-drunk is I've got a good group of guys who do that. Right. And, and um, I always think to know me is to love me anyway. But when you added it, yeah, I, I know, never and think you that. know me real well. <laughs> but uh, the interesting thing for me is one of the trademarks of being an alcoholic is we don't like anybody telling us what to do. I still struggle with that greatly. Um, one of my mentors, Danny, told me a while ago, he goes, you know, I used to tell you something and you'd be mad at me for two weeks and now you... You're okay with it. And it's like, 
I didn't say, but it's about three days still. <laughs> the, 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 the negative feedback is always too negative, and the positive is never as good as it should be, right? right. And that's right. my problem. Yeah. You look at Proverbs, the mocker and the fool. Bill, you gave a great talk about that one night at the Salvation Army. I'm sitting in the back. I'm the director. He's talking to the guys. I go, he's talking about me. That's my <laughs> big fault. So I have a real gift from God that I have men in my life that love me enough to tell me the truth. And it's a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're one of my guys, you know. I talk to you all no, the time. No, I know that. I know that. But should be nicer to it, me. I know. I should <laughs> be nicer to you. But if we haven't cultivated an inner circle of men that you've given the privilege or the right to step in, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're in a burning house, I would want my friend to break the door down and make yeah. sure I get out. Yeah. Yeah. You're starving yourself if you don't have that. It's hard. Life. It's hard, though, with our time and our schedules and families, I think, for guys to have friends once they get adults. And a lot of us would say our best friends are guys we went to high school with and mm-hmm. grew up with because we're busy. And I think you got to make time to do it. Um, you know, that's why I play golf so much. That was a total lie right there. Yeah, but it was kind of good. But uh-huh. I think you got to spend time and cultivate building relationships, and adding new guys all the time, especially at our age. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Let us know uh, if you have a question you'd like us to cover. I got a nice uh, comment from Leanne, a listener, said, uh, the circumstances determine whether I garden or harvest. So Mm -hmm. she's open to both, which is a great, great approach to have, just to kind of have a read as to where someone might be in their faith journey, to know that it's time to water, pull some weeds, or maybe uh, come in for the invitation It's a great way to think. We're going to take a little break. We'll come back more with Guy Talk in just a minute. Thanks for being with us today. Guy Talks Underway. Brad Johnson, Pastor Tom Brock, George Fraser, and Peter Kapsner has left the building. So he's no longer with us, but that's okay. He made a, many great contributions, and he's probably in his car. Peter, we love you. All right. Uh, I was thinking about political correctness and how it's taken over uh, so much of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And here's something uh, the- Theodore Dalrymple wrote. It's a little long, but I think it's worth it. He said, in the study of communist societies, I came to the conclusion that the purpose of communist propaganda was not to persuade or convince, not to inform, but to humiliate. And therefore, the less it corresponded to reality, the better. When people are forced to remain silent, when they're being told the most obvious lies, or even worse, when they're forced to repeat the lies themselves, they lose once and for all who they are. To assent to obvious lies is in some small way to become evil oneself. One standing to resist anything is thus eroded and even destroyed. A society of emasculated liars is easy to control. Mm. When we are told what to say and what to repeat, and what we're told is political correctness mm-hmm. is insanity. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Thoughts? To me, it feels like an anathema of what being American is. Uh, to me, you know, I look at the the Constitution, I look at the 
the Bill of Rights. I look at the Declaration of Independence, you know, that that the idea written by Thomas Jefferson that all men are created equal and and we have this idea to be able to pursue life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And, uh, you know, to me, really high on that is liberty. And as far as I'm concerned, liberty means uh, free speech, and it means for me to be able to say things that might be hard to hear for you as a listener. But it also, you know, it, in, in the context of a Christian, you know, I try not to, to just unnecessarily hurt people for no reason. I mean that 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 seems silly to me too. But at the same token, um, I'm I'm not going to just say something just because you say I should. And to me, that's liberty, and I think that's guaranteed to us by our Constitution. Mm-hmm. Good thought, Brad. I like it. Political like, correctness got kind of quiet in here. I <laughs> was I was kind of a heavy subject, so well, maybe we should I'm go back to my s- tongue because I. I don't want to get too political. Well, I don't want to either. Yeah. This is not being political. Right. This I is about you. the lies but that I, are being I'm told. Saying, I know. And I'm just saying for me, I have to bite my tongue because I don't want to get too political. And, and inwardly, I'm very political. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, for instance, political, I think pastors need our, our main goal is to preach the gospel. Yes. Yeah. When pastors get, I mean, I think I have to get in the pulpit and say that vote for people who are going to protect the unborn. Vote for people who are going to protect spirit, uh, traditional marriage, but I don't. I think it'd be way overkill for me to get up and rant, left or right, about politics. And you know, the, the, it's not just the conservative pastors that can go overboard. I mean, the United Church of Christ is all about social justice, liberal issues, and and th- that's a, that's probably the fastest shrinking denomination in the country. So I think we just need to be careful to put the cross first and politics to the side. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that I live in the country I do. And one of the reasons is freedom of speech, but freedom of religion. Mm-hmm. And I never want to have my political views known, so I turn off somebody I'm working with. I work with recovering addicts that maybe he's not going to listen to George because he's of this affiliation or another. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, for me, it's a lot easier to watch uh, explosive news than it is to read my Bible. So I've really had to roll this one back because it's hard for me to be loving with people who don't agree with me. And I look around our society and groups of Christians align themselves with one side or the other. And it appears they have a real hard time doing that too. And I don't want to ever damage the gospel. I don't want to bring God down to the level of politics um, so I'm, I'm real careful about this, yeah. but I think, I think you're right. And I, I, the one thing I get, Billy, I'm so grateful you talked to about earlier when the guy got converted with you about going to Afghanistan and getting killed. I've never had to worry about that, but I have a fear that maybe that's coming and I wonder how I'll stand up on that. And I hope God gives me the strength to do mm-hmm. that, but I'm grateful I live here. Mm-hmm. Well said. All right. If you uh, have... A friend who comes to you and says, I'm having a crisis in my faith. What kind of questions would you ask? You know, I don't think a crisis in your faith is necessarily a bad thing. I think um, I've had a couple crises of faith, and those were the times in my life where I grew. Mm-hmm. I, I spent time really considering what do I really believe about this? And God 
stepped in and and um, uh, and changed me in fundamental ways, and it, it and it was it, it it was really divine. It was really something that God did uh, outside of who I am and and in all my shortcomings, and and uh, I think that 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 you know we. <laughs> As men, I feel like we want to fix stuff. In fact, that's my job here at the college is I fix stuff. That's what I do. And I think we all do that in, in just varying amounts of ways. But I think as a guy, it's, it's you know, my wife would talk to me about things, and I'm like, ah, you know, I'm trying to fix it, you know. And it would always frustrate me when she would talk to me about things that I can't fix. But th- there's there's just some things that... that that we have to, you know, we have to step into. Well said, Brad, Mm -hmm. because I think a crisis of faith sometimes comes out of feeling that something you believed in let you down. Something that you were hoping and confident in would be there turned out not to be there. So now where do you go? Maybe Mm -hmm. it's the death of someone you loved or there's a betrayal of someone that you, maybe was even a spiritual mentor. I mean, look at the stories in the news of, of fallen yeah. pastors and yeah. you know they're they were our shepherds maybe yeah. Um, yeah. i mean i suffered that myself in a church i spent 17 years at and lost the senior pastor to infidelity mm. it was crushing yeah. i mean it hurt i didn't have a crisis of faith but i'm saying crises of faith can come out of that and you know i remember once i was on a mission trip in russia and this dear young woman trying to run this busload of American tourists who are Christians going to Russia to do good stuff. But one, there was one very obnoxious guy in our bus, and, you know, he was just giving her such a hard time. We got off the bus, and I noticed she was crying off on the side of the bus, so I went over, and we had a good talk. And I, you know, and I said to her something that I learned early in the ministry that has always been true, which is, um, uh, how do I put this? How did I put Just basically... Even Christians, you got to realize we're all sinful at the core. I know the Holy Spirit is changing us, but and and, and just that I've I've lowered my expectations of life and of Christians and of myself somewhat because uh, this side of heaven we're not going to have what we want. And I think people with high expectations have crises in their faith a lot, but people who aren't expecting God to jump through all their hoops and everything to go right. If you if you lower your expectations in life, you don't get hurt so much. Yep. I, actually, here's what I told her. I said, <laughs> now it can now comes to me because I'm getting old. I said, I've I started out with a healthy belief in the total depravity of man when I started my ministry, and I've never been disappointed. <laughs> no. So yeah. well, what did Jesus say? In this life you will face many trials, but be of good faith, for I have overcome the world. Uh, I think for me and my faith and people that I know in my life, you can't have faith without a lot of doubt, too, because otherwise it would just be knowledge, and God is too big for us. But what she said was, uh, after every one of these and people I know, there comes a deeper walk with God, and so they're really a positive thing. But I think you go at the pain of, okay, there's a lot of pain there to say that I'm having a crisis of faith, you know, and what is it? And I think that's when you love them and you're just there and you listen and don't let them go. You know, you fold it up with a guy in London. You know, when I'm working with guys, I don't let them go. I, I, I stay in contact. So it's a great question. Mm-hmm. 
there's a line from A.W. Tozer. He said, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Yep. Mm. The surgeon has to cut before and wound before he can heal. That's right. Yeah. Right. So if you are feeling like you're in a crisis of faith, you can um, you can just rest assured that you'll get through it. Maybe there's uh, something on your heart you could confess. Maybe you need fellowship. Maybe you need mm-hmm. additional prayer. And I know that you can overcome your crisis of faith. Just lay your heart uh, bare before the Lord. And I think of Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Good advice. And yep. you began a good work, and you will bring it to completion, whether you think it or not, on the last day. Yeah. Nice. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming in. Thank you, Bill. I love Guy Talk. I do, too. I, I hope I hope you like it as well. And thank you for uh, for being here, Brad Johnson, Pastor Tom Brock. And we can go to pastorstudy.org for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pastorstudy.org. George P. Fraser, co-host of Real Recovery. That airs Saturdays at 3 and Sundays at 5. And Dr. Peter Kapsner uh, has been my guest today. We're going to take a little break, and Hour 2 is just ahead. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.